Next Chapter Podcasts. Previously on In the Cards. Jim, from now on, Gil is in charge of everything on my account. Understood? I'll see you boys bright and early. Let's make some commercials! At some point tonight, you and I will give in to obvious temptation and kiss each other. Things have taken an unexpected turn. Hey up there, universe! Tea with the pretty tarot girl! What do you think of that? Your life's course is unchangeable, like the flight of an arrow. What I'm trying to say is that I'm really sorry I stretched the truth when I read your cards. I just wanted you to be happy. He's fighting his fate, and that is not wise. Destiny is destiny, Nadia. The hermit wanders on the darkened path, searching for answers. He travels alone, forced to contemplate the realities of his journey. Next Chapter Podcast presents In the Cards. Episode 5, Modes of Possibility. For the best listening experience, be sure to use headphones or earbuds. Where's the sign-in sheet? I love your new butt, Allie. How much was it? It's called intermittent fasting. I really want a direct. I've been waiting forever. Oh, I hate how good you look, you sexy bitch. Me, me, mama, me, me, mama. Rando and Smythe Advertising, how may I... I'm sorry, just one moment, please. Ladies, please keep it down over there. Sorry about that. I have a horde of actresses in my waiting room primping. Anyway, how may I direct your call? Please hold. Hi, I'm here for the audition. Do you have any Kleenex? Uh, ew. Just take the whole box and go over there, please. Thank you. Hey, Linda. Gil, you're late. Yeah, sorry. My bus got a flat. Your actresses are driving me nuts. We broke up. He was cheating on me with my brother. Oh, my God, you poor thing. Wow. Look at all that lip gloss. Get things moving, Gil. I just want my damn space back. Sure. Hello, ladies. Thanks for coming in this morning. We'll get rolling in just a few minutes. Are you the director? Yes, I'm Gil Garson. Hi. I just have a tiny little cold, but it'll clear up soon, so you just need to imagine my voice less stuffy. Quit suck it up to the director, Rachel. You're interrupting. That one flunked out of drama school. I did not. I quit because I got cast as a company member at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, Rachel. I'm classically trained. Like anyone gives a crap about theater. Well, hello, Mr. Director. Hey, Lex. Made it through the gauntlet, huh? Barely. I brought donuts. And I have even bigger news than that. I fell in love last night, and don't ask me with who, because it's a secret. Fine. I'll only say she's a sophisticated woman who co-owns a psychic shop with her niece, Nadia. Oh, God. Yes, it's Bella. You got it out of me. But look, we're just taking it day by day, you know? No labels. She likes to live in the moment. She's so wise and mature, like my mom. No comment. And how'd your little date go? Well, it wasn't technically a date. We just drank tea and coffee. 
If you paid, it was a date. The manager picked up the tab because the waiter spilled a cappuccino in my lap. What a surprise. Not the best place for a stain on your pants. So you drank hot beverages. What else? We talked. Sounds very boring so far. Then what? After the cafe, we strolled through the park. The moon was out, a nice summer breeze. She laughed at my jokes. We shared stories from our childhood. She told me when she was little, she used to eat her dog's biscuits because she thought they were crackers. Isn't that cute? That's disgusting, actually. And I told her the story of how I was struck by lightning. I read on Facebook that if you're hit by lightning once, you're three times as likely to be hit again. Why do you think I'm scared of thunderstorms? Okay, no offense, but your date story is a snoozer. We gonna start these auditions? Wait, something else happened that was really fascinating. Now we're getting somewhere. I dropped her home, then went back to my place and started to read. You have a strange understanding of the word fascinating. And there was this idea in the book that blew me away. Unless this idea was about the eagles, microbrewing, or tantric sex, I'm not interested. Have you ever truly ruminated about reality? There's such a complexity to it that people never consider. I mean, what exactly can you say is real? Well, this donut is real. You're being glib, but that's true. And that chair is real, the lights, sounds are real, tastes. But ideas, Lex, ideas, though you can't touch them, are also real. A different kind of reality, but okay. Let's do a quick experiment about ideas. Will both of us imagine the same thing, okay? Then we can get to the auditions? Yes. Ready? In your mind's eye, I want you to see a little boy walking down a country road with his dog. Okay, a boy and a dog on a road. Got it. We're both imagining the same thing. My imaginary boy has a buzz cut. How about yours? My imaginary boy has long, flowy hair. Because he wants to be just like that cool surfer guy, Kai Lenny. My kid also has a crooked nose because he got hit in the face with a baseball last summer playing Little League. Okay. You see, Gil, the thing is, the boy in my imagination is a terrible athlete. But he's still convinced he's gonna play for the Phillies one day. All right. He's also wearing his dad's Fitbit that he swiped in the morning while his dad was in the shower because he's always wondered how many steps it was to the swimming hole from his house. Mm. And now that he's got that Fitbit on his tiny little wrist, he'll know for sure. You do have quite the imagination, Lex. Specificity is the key to artistic expression. All right, what about the dog? My kid's dog is a cocker spaniel. Mine is a one-eyed wolfhound that my kid named Jeff after his favorite guy from the Wiggles. And he has a limp, so he always turns to the right. The point I'm trying to make is that we both had ideas of the same thing. A boy with a dog on a road. But there was such obvious variation. Uh-huh. And that's what's fascinating, Lex. You do see what that means about the pliability of reality, right? Gail, I have no idea what we're talking about, but if we're shooting this commercial tomorrow, we better get to it. You're right. Sorry, sorry. Let's do it. Bring in the first victim. Hello, ladies. Thanks for coming in today. You all look great. We'll get things started with... Helga? Yeah. Ah, there you are. Step right in. Stand over there and grab a cheese curl. Yeah. Gil, this is Helga. Should be first on your list. Helga Ike Wolfenbuttel. I think I just pulled a tongue muscle. It's German, Gil. Thanks, Lex. I believe it's pronounced Eich Wolfenbüttel. Your accent, very nice. I picked up a few things backpacking through Bavaria, which is also where I developed my love of schnitzel. 
Your resume says you trained at Munich International School of Acting and Website Design. Yeah, I am also expert in animal husbandry. Good to know. But to the task, Helga. Yeah. The line we need you to read is on the board right by the camera. But before you say the line, I want you to pretend you're at a big party. Imagine tons of young, hip people there. Everyone's having fun, and you're the person they all love to be around. You're playful and sexy, confident, okay? Yeah. I feel free to improvise a few lines to the party goers first, then turn to the camera with a cheese curl, wink, and say the line written on the board, all right? Let's do this. Okay, camera's rolling. And action. Gee, what a lovely party, what fun I am having, and what everyone else is having with the cheese curls here at this party that I am in charge of. Mmm, how yummy, for a good time, snack on this, und sehen. Wow. Okay, um, really good, Helga, but uh, why don't we take another run at it with a few notes? First, can you wink with just one eye this time? I can only wink with two eyes. We call that a blink. Then I must blink. Okay, that's fine. Uh, My other big note is this time through, I want you to really, really feel the party going on around you, okay? Feel the youthful abandon, the fun. Yeah, the first time felt more like a sentencing hearing after a murder verdict. Yeah, I see. I think having to do these improvisational lines beforehand made me nervous. Let's skip the improv lines then and just concentrate on the tagline. For a good time, snack on this. This I can do. How about I play some party sound effects so she can get into character? Great idea, Lex. Sound effects rolling. Yeah, these party sounds help. Very good. And action. Yes. Feel the party, Helga. Loosen up those shoulders. Good. Yeah, I am really feeling this now. What frolic and gaiety. That's it. Look, there's Brandy over there dancing, and there's Ethan eating cheese curls by the handful. What a great time, and you're in charge. Now, wink right into camera. I must blink. I mean, blink? Then give us the line. For a good time, snack on this. Thanks for coming in today. Next! And action. For a good time, snack on this. Next. For a good time, snack on this. Next. Are these vegan? Next. For a good time, snack on this. Next. I like your hair. Next. Hey, guys. Whoa, where'd that trash basket come from? Are you drunk? Oh, God, I'm going to be sick. Someone hold my hair. Next. I love your face tattoo. It's not a tattoo, jerk. Next. Snack on this, biatch. Thank you so much. Bye. Lex, they're all so terrible. I know. It's the universe, isn't it? Of course it's the universe. Pissed you took out the psychic girl, and to get back at you at sending the shittiest actresses in the Philadelphia talent pool to doom your career. This is way worse than getting shat on by birds. Why are we whispering? So the universe doesn't hear us. That's what I thought. Call in the next actress. Can you grab that, Nadia? I'm cleaning my crystal ball. Sure. Popova Psychic Greetings. This is Nadia. Hello, Mrs. Ersoy. How are you? (laughs) Mrs. Ersoy. She'll be worried about her daughter's marriage. Let me check. Bella, can you see Mrs. Ersoy today at three? 
I told the daughter two years ago her path was with the engineer student, not the mechanic. Did she listen? No. Bella can squeeze you in. I don't know why people come when they don't take advice. Great. We'll see you at three then. Bye-bye. Mrs. Erso's daughter is pretty, but like this candle, a bit dim. Can you pass me that tarot deck? Of course. Here you go. Why are you shuffling? I don't know. Bored. You feel like reading my spread? It's been quite a while since you let me do that. If you don't want to, you don't. No, I will read. I would love to. Do you have any specific questions you'd like to ask the tarot? Mm, I'm mostly curious about my present. Is there happiness? As you wish. Shuffle and concentrate. Knock out the deck. Good. And we begin. Hmm. Tell me. The magician card, as in past readings, sits in your future. The magician is a learned man, a healer. He represents the doctor, I know. The doctor will be in an inescapable infatuation. I'd like to tell you to steer away from this man, but the pull will be too strong and discord will follow. My questions were about the present, Bella, not the future. Yes, the present. Let us see. The fool sits in that spot. Interesting. Not a card I fully understand for you in the present. Because... You are an old soul, wise beyond your years, and the fool represents innocence, lightness, a disregard for life's perils. Oh, Nadia. What? You're being stupid. What are you... It is obviously not a reflection of you, but a reference to that walking accident, that gill. No... Luckless gill who makes Job seem like he skipped through life with a rabbit's foot in his pocket. The Fool card means nothing, Bella. And beside the Fool sits the Two of Swords, which clearly points to an inner struggle within you at this moment. Don't get confused, Nadia. I'm not. Why are you looking at me like that? Did you know he's literally fighting the heavens? He was kidding. I've heard tale of men like him from the old times who fought their destinies. A dangerous game, Nadia. I can't stay cooped up here all the time. Then take up tennis. He's fun to be around. He makes me laugh, and maybe fighting back against the ties that bind you isn't so stupid after all. If a person decides to fight the universe, believe me, Nadia, the universe will fight back. And the fool is not only a danger to himself, but also to those around him. You'd be wise to keep your distance. Okay. Come on in, miss. Stand on the X and tell us your name. Hi, I'm Monica Perez. Okay, Monica, you're our last auditioner. No pressure, but all the others sucked. Oh, God. And if you also suck, just know it's not your fault. It's mine. I don't understand. You see, Monica, we're supposed to shoot this spot tomorrow, but the universe hates Gil and has purposefully sent him options that can only sink his campaign. And my career. It's a long story, but it all boils down to there being a complete absence of free will in the world. I can't tell if you guys are kidding. Oh, I wish we were. But, to the task. 
Let's get this over with, shall we? We want you to pretend you're at a party orchestrating the fun. After a moment, hold up a cheese curl, wink if you can. For some diabolical reason, no one could wink today. So, wink or blink or whatever, then say the line written on the board. Should I improvise anything before the line? Sure, whatever, it it doesn't matter. Rolling camera, cueing party sound effects. And action. Hey you, and you, and you. Don't look so glum. Follow me and join the fun. For a good time, snack on this. Oh my God. Was it okay? That was it. That was it. She even winked. Gail, did you see her wink? It's the best wink I've ever seen. Please (sighs) tell us you're free tomorrow. I got the job just like that? Just like that. Oh my God. Oh my God. Lex, give her all the info. I'm late for class. What class are you taking? Intro to metaphysics, which is awful, but you're fantastic. See you in the morning. <laughs> Ow! The door opens the other way, Gail. Thanks. See you on set. Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. So, if happiness is a primary aim of humanity, how do we find it? Philosopher Pharrell sang, Happiness is the truth. (laughs) A deep thought, actually, by Pharrell. Ow. And here he is, Gil Garson, everyone, with an entrance reminiscent of Kramer tripping into Jerry's apartment. I'm sorry I'm late, Professor Towers. Only by an hour. More trouble with elevator buttons and buses. And some other unavoidables. You missed the main lecture, but it'll be posted on my portal. Pick yourself up and grab a seat. Thanks. We were talking about ethics and how they coincide with happiness, virtue, and morality, which brings us to what I'd like you all to think about for next class, which is Carnady's famous plank question. It goes like this. There's been a shipwreck. Two men are lost at sea, treading water, sure to die, when they see a plank of wood floating in the near distance. This plank is substantial enough to keep one man afloat, but only one. The first man swims to the plank and grabs on, saving himself. But then the second man arrives, wrestles the plank away from the first man, who in short order sinks in the sea and drowns. Eventually, the second man is rescued. So, class, were the second man's actions just? Or should he be tried for murder? Does the man who was closer to the plank have more of a right to life simply because fate put him nearer? Or does the second man have more of a right because he is a better fighter? 
What do you think, Gil? I guess I'd want to know more about the two men. Like, did they have families, their occupations? So some men's lives are worth more because of what they do? No. Your question implies yes. Is a nurse more deserving of life than a cashier? Or a father worth more than a bachelor? Maybe parents are worth more because they're responsible for others? For kicks, let's say there are two childless men vying for the plank. We'll say one man is, oh, I don't know, a college professor, and the other works in the advertising business. <laughs> Just you and me, Gil, out in the ocean. One lives, one dies. Would you kill to hold on to life, Gil? If life is precious, can murder be virtuous? And what if it wasn't a plank of wood, but a kidney they both needed? Gil and I need a kidney to live, class. Who gets it? And why? Think it through, people. And write out your reasoning to hand in next class. And we have a few minutes. Does anyone have questions on anything we've covered? Plato's cave, Aristotle on truth. Uh, will the midterm be multiple choice? That's not a question on philosophy. Follow-up question, Professor. Um, philosophically speaking, do you think the midterm will be short answers and essays or multiple choice? I told you before, grades are stupid. Just show up and you get an A. Does anyone have questions on philosophy? Professor, I have one. It's about modal realism. <laughs> modal realism. That's not on the syllabus. It's an essay in the textbook. The textbook is 1,500 pages long. How does one happen upon modal realism? I was flipping around. It caught my attention. Well, modal realism is more of a 300-level discussion, but what kind of teacher would I be to piss on the interests of an inquiring 100-level student, right? But let's catch the others up to speed, shall we? Modal realism, class, is an idea conceived by late 20th century philosopher David Kellogg Lewis, expounding on the initial thoughts of Gottfried Leibniz, both of whom were probably tripping on magic mushrooms. <laughs> but Gil, you read the essay. Explain the basics. Modal realism, Go. If I understood it right, it's the concept that we all accept that other worlds are possible in the universe. Dude, totally. I saw like three UFOs last summer. Thank you, Jasper. Keep going, Gil. And if other worlds or modes are possible, it follows that there could be another world somewhere, or even many worlds, that are very much like this one. And? And if that is so, there could be a person on those other possible worlds who is very much like any of us here. For instance... There could be another person who is very much like me, yet different. And those different versions of Gil Garson could be substantial or very small. Differences could be objective improvements to the me of this world, or, I suppose, the opposite of that. And if that is so, then perhaps the Gil Garsons on those other worlds don't miss the bus or trip through doors. If Lewis's ideas are true, it's not only possible that some Gil Garsons on other worlds never miss the bus, it's completely logical. In fact, this may be the only world where Gil Garson misses a bus or constantly cracks the screens of his iPhone. What the hell are they talking about? 
No fucking idea. The problem is, while famed David Kellogluis of Princeton University and Magic Mushrooms asserted there were many possible worlds out there to speculate about, you and I can only experience our existence in this world. But according to Lewis, those other modal worlds are also real. And we can speculate about them. And we can speculate about the variations of who we might be in those worlds. For example? Well, on other worlds, the other Gilgarsons might be a quarter inch taller. Or left-handed, or, more consequentially, the other Gilgarsons might have different fates. They might not burn their toast. <laughs> Let me illuminate you, class. Philosophy is lightning-charged. Ideas and truth, when realized, can throw people for a loop. It can fuck them up. Socrates fucked up so many people with ideas that the city-state of Athens executed him. Question in the front row. Uh, professor, class, like, ended, like, two minutes ago? Who cares about the measurement of time when we're talking about ideas? Live in the moment, Jasper! You see, your classmate Gil became a bit unmoored the first day we met when he realized the truth. Isn't that right, Gil? I wouldn't say unmoored. Remember the seemingly innocuous assignment of defining our own fates? My fate is to rock harder than Led Zeppelin, one of you wrote. My fate is to make my parents proud, another, to become a millionaire, etc., etc., and who cares, and who cares? But unlike most of you, Gil took the assignment seriously, which I commend. You see, Gil can think deeply. Would you like to share your self-assessed fate with the class, Gil? No, thanks. I can see why you're attracted by this idea of modal realism, because in your imagination, there's a Gil Garson, one of those other possible worlds, who is fated to be the president, to be the MVP in the Super Bowl, to be a winner, right? Maybe. So what's your question? Ask away. My question is, if the idea of modal realism has merit, then anything is truly possible, right? Yes. But what is possible in this world is solely dependent on the causes and effects that occur only in this world. You can't replace the causes and effects of another world with those of this one. My idea is that you can. And we all know ideas are real. Logic is also real, and there's only one thing that is possible in this moment, on this world, and that one thing is what is happening right now, because it is the sum of the causes and effects of this world. And what is happening to the other Gil Garsons and Peter Towerses on the other possible worlds is the result of those other worlds' causes and effects. Uh, but, uh, but... Professor, I get it. It's like that Bizarro World episode of the Seinfeld show where he meets another Jerry, George, and Kramer, who are the same, but completely different. Thank you again, Jasper, for your insights. To sum up, just like stupid TV shows, modal realism is a trite exercise of imagination. And while ideas are real, that doesn't mean they are actual. For instance, if you imagine Jennifer Lawrence and I are naked on a Hawaiian beach, madly in love, does that make it real, Gil? It may not be real in this moment, but however unlikely, it is still possible, Professor Towers. Well, then I guess I should DM her on Instagram, huh? <laughs> this was a fun diversion, Gil. 
but stick to the syllabus. Class dismissed. Ten more minutes, Mrs. Tassiopoulos. The only way I'll get better is if I practice. Hello? It's Lex. What are you doing? Getting yelled at by the neighbor. How was class tonight? That guy hates me. He basically asked the class to write a paper on who they'd rather see die, me or him. They might pick you to live. He's already committed to giving everyone an A this semester. Oh, in that case, it's been great knowing you. Are we set for tomorrow? We're ready. That Monica actress girl killed it today, right? Saved our asses. And listen to this. She told me she didn't even have an appointment. What? She wasn't supposed to be there. She overheard someone talking about the audition and just showed up. I'll bet she's a modal realist, too. Huh? Nothing. Look, I don't want you taking public transport tomorrow. Too chancy. I'll pick you up by 7 and get you to the shoot. Great. And I'll bring breakfast. I don't want you getting near anything dangerous like knives, cranberry juice, or toasters. We're going to crush this thing tomorrow, Lex. Yeah. Destiny be damned. Good night. Good night. What, Lex? Gil. Hi. It's Nadia. Hi. Ow! Ow! Damn it! Ugh. Are you okay? Gil? Give me a second. I tripped and the phone flew under the couch. <laughs> Keep talking so I can find you. Okay. I'm over here, Gil. Come and get me. I see you now. Uh, one more sec. <laughs> Hey, I'm back. Are you okay? I walked into the coffee table. As soon as we get off the phone, I'm going to throw that thing out the window. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's late, but I was wondering how your auditions went. It was a crazy day, but it was great. We shoot the spot tomorrow. Exciting. And, you know, I I wanted to thank you for making me go out yesterday. I had fun. You're fun to be around, Gil. So I was thinking maybe we could do more fun things? Yeah? I don't want to be a shut-in. <laughs> well, uh, there's a little carnival this weekend at St. Gregory's Church. Games, cotton candy, cheesy rides. Who doesn't love the tilt-a-whirl? I'd have to pop some Dramamine for that, but I'm willing. Great. Then it's a date. Oh my god. (laughs) That lightning lit up the whole sky. Did you see that? Yeah. And there goes the power in my apartment. (laughs) Really? The universe doesn't like us making plans. Why are you whispering? So it doesn't hear me. That makes sense. Yeah, it's... Definitely pissed. (laughs) You've got a big day tomorrow. I should let you go. No, it's okay. Let's talk. What should we talk about? Well, in my metaphysics class, I heard about this guy who lives on a faraway world in a different galaxy. Interesting. What's this guy's name? Coincidentally, his name is also Gil Garson. Really? And he runs his own advertising firm. 
So, advertising's a big occupation on this other world, hmm? This other world is very similar to our world, with only the slightest bits of variation. How interesting. <laughs> and there's a smart, funny, beautiful girl there who looks just like you. <laughs> really? Is this girl a fortune teller? She is, but she's not a shut-in. Oh, good. She's out all the time, which is bad for her business, but good for her fun quotient. <laughs> Another interesting thing about this world is everyone knows how to wink. <laughs> now that you mention it, I haven't seen anyone actually wink. In the Cards was written and directed by Kevin Henderson. The cast is as follows. Connor Ratliff as Gil. Stephen Boyer as Lex. Lila Robbins as Bella. Jamie Ann Romero as Nadia. Chikwudi Iwuji as Professor Peter Towers. Robert Cuccioli as Jim. Joanna Glushak as Catherine Corker, Helga, and others. Mari Sandoval as Clea and others. Chris Henry Coffey as Bryson and others. Nancy Rodriguez as Monica and others. Delphi Harrington as Mrs. Tassiopoulos and others. Michael Goodfriend as Robert and others. Additional voices performed by Amy Malloy, Gigi Henderson, Declan Henderson, Adam Aris Gutierrez, and Courtney Rosemont. Casting by the Telsey Office, Karen Castle, CSA. Original music composition, sound design, and mix by Shane Reddick. Sound engineering by Sadaharu Yagi. Mix engineer and dialogue editor, Larry Walsh and Robert McNabb. Podcast mastering by Greg Cortez at New Monkey Studio. Coordinating producer, Transcend Streaming, Kira Bowie and Leona Keys. Executive producer, Michael Goodfriend. The managing director of business operations and partnerships at Next Chapter Podcasts is Sally Cade Holmes. Special thanks to Jeff Talbot, Tallulah Henderson, and Mike Mariano. In the Cards is produced by Next Chapter Podcasts and is made possible by the generous support of the Hits Foundation. Visit ncpodcast.com for more about the series. Subscribe to ncpodcast.com to get cool merch like t-shirts, hoodies, and coffee mugs, ad-free episodes, and bonus content video featuring interviews with the actors, producers, and writers, and artists who brought the series to life. Next Chapter Podcasts.